Welcome to Business Unveiled Podcast. This is the place where we help overwhelmed, time-starved entrepreneurs like you make the profitable shifts to get more done and get more out of life. I'm your host, Angela Prophet, award-winning eight-figure entrepreneur and CEO. And in every episode of Business Unveiled, I'm bringing you conversations that will give you the expertise and strategies that will scale your team and business so you can get shit done. That's GSD in our world. So get your time back and grow a business that helps you be present in your life. Let's do this, y'all. It's Angela. I'm back for another episode of Business Unveiled. And I'm super excited about our guest today. She is so fun and vibrant. Like, if you guys could just see what I'm seeing, which we're going to put all of this down in the show notes. But there is some massive marketing confusion going on here in the world. And we were just chatting about it. And so I want to bring her on and share some of the amazing things that she's been working on. Her company, they know their numbers. And that is important because not everyone that I talk to talks about this. And it's really important to understand your numbers. And if you, if, if, if you should want to grow your company. So Margie, welcome to the show today. Thank you so much for having me, Angela. Yay. Before we jump in and talk about interview connections, which is your company that you Mm co-own and which I'd love to unpack, like how it is, because there's people like don't have a a business uh, partner. And I'm like, there are good partnerships. Okay. Uh, it's not for everybody, but you know, we'll talk about that later, but I would love to know how did you fall into like, okay, I want to do marketing. I want to do podcasting. And not only do you do podcasting, your company helps book other people on podcast, which is a thing, y'all. It is a thing where you just book other people on podcast. It's like the difference between marketing and PR, but share with us a little bit of your background. Yeah. So it, it's sort of a random niche that I found myself in. And it's so funny because I'm like the type of person who like wants a plan. So I was like very stressed as like a a late teen, early twenties, mid twenties of like, what is my path? Like, you know, I had done well in school, but I hadn't really like connected the dots of how to monetize what I was good at and what I enjoyed. And, you know, like older adults would just be like, you'll figure it out. Don't worry about it. And I'm like, well, that's easy for them to say, (laughs) you know, so But they were right because I could never have imagined what I would be doing because it it didn't even exist at the point when I was agonizing over what I was going to do with my life. So I um, ended up, my business partner actually founded Interview Connections in 2013. So she was a new mom and she, her dad happens to be a business coach, a really good business coach who really saw the opportunity in podcasts early, you know, like he was already guesting and having her book him as a guest on shows back in 2013, which was really early to be doing that. People had podcasts, but people weren't pitching. And so even if you pitched a big show, the host would be like, oh my gosh, that's so cute. Okay. Like someone's pitching me, which like as the host of a good show now, you know that you're inundated with pitches, but 
at that point, it was like nobody knew what this was. Um, but Jim Palmer, Jess's dad, really did. So he was like, you know, she wanted to work from home. So he said, I'll help you start a VA business. I'll be your first client. I'll refer my clients to you. So that's how it started as a VA company. And then he helped her niche down because one of the main things she was doing was booking him as a guest on other people's podcasts to help him get clients, gain visibility and build the audience for his own podcast. So that evolved into, you know, going from an hourly VA to, you know, designing these packages around guaranteed bookings, which was very brave because, she was guaranteeing something in the beginning that she wasn't a hundred percent sure she could deliver, but as it turned out, it worked, it worked really well and it took off. So that was 2013. I came on in 2016 as an independent contractor and just my business partner and I had worked together at a previous job going door to door for the environment. And she was hiring remote contractors and I was just I hated being an employee. Every job I had, I was like miserable. I always thought everything was like so mismanaged and, and I didn't want to leave the house because I was like, I don't understand why I have to commute and I can't just do things when I want to. So an opportunity to be a contractor was like, oh, perfect. This is so much freedom. And then I became the first employee in 2017 and then equal co-owner in 2018. And so fast forward now, we are a multiple seven-figure agency, and I'm the CEO and co-owner, and Jess is the president. That, but like, what an, like, an amazing story where it's like, okay, I'm going to start here and start here. But like, very quickly, you clearly showed your value of like, okay, I'm on board with this because I'm going to do my, my work and my job and what I need to do, like around how you want to live your life, like the, just the quality of life. And I think even the pandemic taught us so much about quality of life and so many people who are like, I'm going to get in my car and drive an hour to work and two hours home because of traffic every day wouldn't think twice now about no, hell no, I'm going to stay at home and I'm going to do my job from home because I actually do it better and it saves me three hours. So it's to me crazy how a a pandemic or something where a lot of people think it was really bad. And I'm like, oh no, it's, it's doing so much good for our world. Like, let's see the bright side because there are good things that like come out of these things. And like you said, I love how you said, like, when I went to school, this, the shit we're doing now, it exists. Like it wasn't a thing. And so evolving and pivoting over time, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's so exciting. And so like we were talking before we started recording how like we build courses for people and they want to be on podcast and they want to speak and they assume because I have a podcast and I speak that, well, don't you just do that? And can't you just do that? Yes, we can. However, when you go to a company that actually does that, you're going to get so much more of a return. And I just, I think that even like partnering with branding agencies, influencer agents, like other people who 
I, I get it because we, we, we have some clients where they've worked with so many different marketing agencies and they've never been really taken care of quite the way that we're, we're small, we're boutique for a reason. I like people to feel like they are my only client. I do mm-hmm. No, it's not realistic <laughs> at all. Um, but it's like really educating them on, okay, we are amazing at this thing, but we can partner, you know, with other people. So do do you guys do that? Do you have a lot of marketing agencies like now reaching out to you guys saying like, can we get a, a person or a VA that specifically that is their sole focus is to get them out there on social media, engage, find those opportunities but you guys have way more relationships because you're out there finding those opportunities every day for people. So is that like your ideal client audience of where you guys partner with people or do you guys have people reaching out to you? Where, where do you all, since it is kind of a new thing to some people, what's the best way for people to come in and say, okay, I need to be on people's podcast. Where do we start? (laughs) Like, is that what they say? (laughs) Basically, yeah, because they know they need to get visibility now, especially post pandemic. And I totally agree with what you're saying. Like, I'm a believer in finding the positives in everything, even like the most tragic situations. I'm like, I'm going to figure out how to turn this into an opportunity. (laughs) So, yeah, in the pandemic, one of the many silver linings was that we stopped having to explain to people why they should care about virtual speaking and networking opportunities. So that was immediately, that gap was bridged and people were just like, cool, I need to get out there. So people, they do find us, we partner with, we have some referral partners, but primarily we get a ton of referrals from our current clients, which is amazing. And those are always like the best. And then we grew the business from zero to seven figures with no paid ads at all by leveraging the strategy that we sell and guesting on podcasts. So we get a lot of clients who hear our interviews and then they'll come find us. And now we do, once we hit seven figures, we started doing paid ads as well. So we run Facebook ads, we do masterclasses, we have a free Facebook community where we do a lot of trainings and teachings about like how to leverage the strategy, how to actually monetize it. And so we get a lot of people from that group who are like, cool, now I want you to do it for me. Yeah, because it's a lot of work. It's a lot. (laughs) It's a lot of work. And like, that's what people don't realize. Like, there is the, oh my gosh, I was just talking to our, a guy earlier and he was hilarious because he's like, you know, those companies that are like fly by the seat of my pants.com express overnight kind of thing where it's just like, oh, we need to do this. So let's just fly by the seat of our pants. That doesn't work like yeah. long-term, you know, it may get you a few things, but like, if you don't have a strategy, you don't have a plan, it, it just, the, the results, it doesn't work. And so when a, when someone comes to you and says, and I'm actually curious to know if they say, I have a book, it's done, or I have a full-blown course, it's done. Can you, you know, how much is it to get me on all these podcasts to get me visibility? Or is it better for someone to come to you and say, Hey, I'm working on this thing. And my consultant or somebody told me that I needed like a 90 day launch to like do this wait list thing. So I could like build it up. 
And can you help me get visibility and then track it so that we know where it's coming from? And then when you launch, you actually have a leads list of people that are interested. Like, what would you prefer? <laughs> so I would actually, the, my advice would actually be a third option, which is okay. that entrepreneurs should be getting out there on at least four podcasts a month, every month, no matter what whether you're launching something or whether you're not to build consistent visibility, then you can ramp it up. So if you have something launching, then you can say, okay, I've got my four built into my schedule, you know, whether it's once a week or whatever guest appearances that I'm doing on other people's podcasts. And now I'm going to crank it up to 10 or 20 a month for this big launch, but you want to keep it consistent. The, The big thing with this strategy is it's a slow burn. So it, you really want to like set it and forget it, build it in because you want to be consistently getting in front on other people's platforms in a really deep, meaningful way that you get from like a deep dive interview. So I would say consistent, no matter what launch or not. I love it. It's the same thing y'all, not just with podcasting, but with social media. It's like, you have to show up. And if you show up and you're like, oh, buy something, you know, I'm selling something now. People have no clue who you are, what you believe, what you stand for, what you do, how you can help them. Again, like you, you have to build that community. And I think a lot of people that, you know, they'll look and say, oh, you've been podcasting since 2017. And you must have this ginormous, you know, all this stuff. And I'm like, I'm all about the quality over the quantity. I'd rather have five people listening to me that are going to take action than 5 million people who do nothing. So making sure that it is the right person, the right fit. I want the right people like listening. So it is the right connections. Otherwise, there isn't going to be like this two-way relationship. So I think, like you said, leveraging consistency and leveraging like the podcasting interviews. And even when you're a guest on interviews, like, do you all, is your, your primary focus is get them booked. And then after Mm -hmm. they do the podcast interview, do you all do anything with that content or does that go back to their marketing team and their marketing team splices it up and puts it everywhere? Yes. So first of all, I love what you're saying about you'd rather have a small engaged audience. That is the strategy in a nutshell of having your own show, but also of guesting on shows. It's about quality. So our most successful clients are people who understand you know, if I'm in front of a hundred people, but they're highly qualified, that's better than being on a, a top 10 iTunes show with a million listeners. None of them are your ideal clients. So you'll get no business from it. So it's, a, it's really about fortune, not fame when you're doing this type of consistent, like niche visibility in these small engaged audiences. So we do a lot of work before we start working with people to really understand their messaging. We also do some coaching around like messaging and vision to make sure 
that they they have it right so we do some tweaking with them so that what they're saying will really resonate with people we audit we do like our team is like on the phone with them every month auditing interviews okay this was really good your call to action was a little bit confusing let's simplify it so listeners so we do a lot of like hand holding with the actual monetization of it um but the other thing so when they do go live we do share like our client interviews, but it's really on the client to have their team or whoever repurpose the content into a bunch of little pieces, share, promote. The reason it's important for them to be doing that is because it's not just about visibility. It's also networking, right? This connection with the host is so valuable. These hosts like you are incredible entrepreneurs who our clients need to know and be connected with. And when you're personally sharing it to your platforms, you're showing the host that it's a reciprocal relationship and you're helping to grow their show. So it's valuable for the client to share those themselves. And then their current audience is seeing, wow, this person's like out there as an expert and on all these different shows all the time. So sometimes you'll convert someone from your own audience with a podcast interview on someone else's show that you've shared out on your platforms because your audience gets to know you in a new way. Yeah, it's been probably my most favorite way of like wash, rinse, repeat content. And like when I got on TikTok and then when Clubhouse came out, and I recently went and taught a class about them. And I was so shocked because I was probably the oldest person in the room, mm-hmm. like age wise, and people much younger than me who I thought like love social media, right? It's like they grew up with it. They grew up with an iPhone in their hand pretty much. Yeah. And then all these women, they were like, it's just another effing thing. And I'm like, girls, okay. Let's look at all your Instagram accounts. You all have huge Instagram accounts. You're doing reels already. So even taking that video and repurposing it so that you can reach a different demographic, a new audience, you got to look at it a little bit differently. Don't think of it as like, oh, fuck, it's another thing. Like it is a way to either reach more people who you could help or be it is reinforcing the consistency of somebody who's on both or all three platforms that you keep showing up on every single platform. Now, if you're brand new and you're on no platform and you're no audience, like I do think it's great to focus on one or two and really find your community. If that's where you think your people are, but I know a lot of people that have been doing social media ever since it's come out, it's like, Oh my God, it's another thing. And so building a strategy around podcasting, my gosh, I would say 80% of our content comes from one episode and then how we can take it and use it. We haven't really figured out how to do it on clubhouse yet because I don't have the roadcaster at my home yet. So it's like, it's kind of live. And then some people are like, don't record this and do something else with it. Like they kind of look down on it a little bit. So I think that's going to change though, like from a productivity angle, but it's really important that you don't stop with just the interview. So do you guys find that your clients have way more like they're able, able to leverage all of the interviews that you guys are booking them on if they follow this process all the way through so that 
the result is going to be different for people who take that content and that interview and do something with it and share it versus the people who just say, okay, I showed up, I did the interview, I'm done. Yeah, you're going to have much better results when you actually share it and repurposing it. Like you really can just show up and do your thing and have a great conversation and then have somebody else on your team do all the repurposing because you already said all the stuff so they can make the quote graphics and the blog posts and everything and get it out everywhere. And I would say to anybody who's like, oh, I can't add another thing that I'm reading who not how right now. And I'm loving it so much because when you get that, that, you know, hit that wall of, I can't do another thing. Then you start playing so small because it feels overwhelming to do more. And to me, that's an indication that you're doing way too much yourself. You need to be like hiring people, whether it's your team, whether it's agencies and getting stuff off your plate that you don't love doing because it can all get done and it shouldn't be getting done by you. And the, also the mindset, which again, I feel like as I get older, it's like, God, I wish I had this, this information like available to me like 20 years ago, because I was, I was raised where like you save your money, you keep your money cash is king. And that's when you're growing a business, that's really not the mindset to at least what I've learned over the years is if I can give people an opportunity and outsource things that where I can go, like, this is stupid stuff, right? Like my mom's like, why do you Uber to a meeting when you have a car? Why do you get a blowout when you can wash your own hair? I'm like, I, if I'm going to be sitting in traffic, I can work for an hour in the car or I can work for 50 minutes getting a blowout and I can actually get a proposal out. I can be working on something with a client. And so figuring out, and that's where this is going to take me into my next question, because you and I, we love talking about numbers, not that, that it was ever my, my thing, but once I figured out how much my time was worth. And then how much we needed to actually run the business. So it's profitable. And then how much I needed to pay different team members. And then that's how we figured out like how we're going to back out of, we backed out of everything um, before it's like, oh, how much is this? And it's like, well, no, 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 no. Let's not talk about that first. It's like, let's talk about what you're getting. You're getting five experts in copywriting, content creation, keyword research, a director, you're getting professional video, you're getting audio, you're getting editing, you're getting not just one edit in horizontal and vertical, you're getting 20 different edits of 60 seconds and 30 seconds and 15 seconds and 10, you know, it's like all these things. And so I'm like, it takes a team to do these things. And in order to run a business from a profitable, profitable angle, pay all those people and do it the right way, it costs X amount of dollars. But until I knew that, I didn't know that it was okay for me in the middle of the day to go get a blowout and take an Uber and spend a hundred dollars versus where in those hour and a half, I could potentially make five to 10 grand because of what I'm working on. So it's like how to work smarter, not harder, but I would never, I never would have felt comfortable until I knew my numbers. So I know for you all, it like you really knew your numbers and it completely transformed your business. So what was it? And I mean, again, to me, it's like such simple little things, but if you're not empowered with this information, then 
you, especially women, we do it. We second guess, like, should I have spent that money? Should I do now? It's like, I know we have this much for our education budget. Yes. I'm going to that conference. Yes. I'm buying that NFT from Gary V because I want to go to that thing. I don't care if I need to get a crypto wallet to do it. That's in our education budget. And you can spend money a lot instead of blindly and like, feel good about it and feel good about what you're doing and how you're spending money in your business. So for you guys, like what transformed the business for you? I mean, so many things in terms of numbers. And that's like one of the big things that I brought to the business that was valuable was a huge focus on like actual numbers and deliverables, because the biggest thing, especially early in business, people are like, I want to like, I want to hit seven figures a year. Like, okay, how much is that a month? And they don't know. (laughs) And it's like, how are you going to hit that if you don't know that it's like 84,400 or something like that? But like, as soon as I set the goal to hit seven figures, I knew exactly how much per month that was. So part of it is like, really treat your goals like you're serious about them. And what is the number? Like, okay, that's your yearly goal. What is that per month? How many clients at your current price point is that per month? Do you need to raise your prices? How many clients would that be then? Like, so just kind of playing with the numbers that way. And then also looking at your current numbers, because you need to know exactly where you're going numbers wise. And then you need to know exactly where you are in order to bridge that gap. And I think a lot of people are afraid to look at their numbers, especially if they don't look good. Um, I love what you're saying about having a system. So using profit first is something that we actually started doing pretty recently. And I wish that we had done it seriously, like when I start another business, I will use it like the first dollar that comes in will be going into those separate accounts. Like I will be doing profit first because having organized cash flow. So like you're saying, you're making educated decisions. It's not like emotional. Like I feel like this is a good investment and this isn't. It's like, okay, this is how much I have in my operating account right now. This is how much I have in payroll. Can I hire someone else or do I need to be getting more out of the people that I have? Like it it just allows you to be empowered. It also allows you to catch stuff really fast. So if you get a little cash flow issue and you're doing profit first or any cash flow management system, I can see immediately if our numbers are below what they should be and look at, whoa, what's happening here? Whereas it could have taken months before we had a system to really see that there was an issue. It is so important. And even like, I want to, and you said, like, if I start another business, I will always do this first. And even like for us, because we were in hospitality for so long and, you know, thank goodness I got into sales funnels and e-commerce back in 2013, because if I had all my eggs in that one basket, then when the pandemic hit, it would have hurt a a lot harder. It still hurt losing a million dollars in revenue in like 72 hours or something, but it's all in like, okay, how are we going to respond? How are we going to pivot? Can we take some of these things online? Can we take some of the money that was going to food and beverage and, and, and build out a digital platform? And so I kind of like shut down for, for a few weeks. Mm -hmm. And I, I just told my team, I'm like, I have to figure this out. Like, I don't have the answers. So that's fine. You know, we know that we're not going to have a choice to like shut down events and all these things that, that we're doing and that we're a part of, 
you know, but I'll figure it out. Like this isn't the first tragedy type thing that we, I just didn't know it was going to go for so long. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, you know, it's like we plan, we plan, we replan. And then every time an event, like a live event's not happening or a digital events not happening, that was impacting our, our bottom line. And so, but many years ago, I had a great accountant who was like, we are going to go to a different model. He's like, we're not going to do a big retainer and then pay me 30 days before. Like, we're going to spread it out over 12 months, like a normal business, not a seasonal business. And I'm so grateful. I'm like, but no one else does that. No one. I can't do that. And he's like, I don't care what anybody else does. Everyone's situation is different. You were one person. You don't have two household incomes. You don't have a real job with some direct deposit. Like we have to figure out a business model to where you're not living like a squirrel and you're not stressed out because you're still working every month, aren't you? And your team is still working every month. I'm like, yes, we are. But I was fronting and floating all this cash. And it just, I never stopped to thought about it. I probably would have died of a stroke if I really like kind of knew what was going on. So it's kind of good that I didn't know too much. But then after he explained it to me, I'm like, oh, okay. So we're going to track our time. And that makes a lot more sense, you know, and I resisted it for so long because of what you just said. I didn't want to know. And, and I will say coming into the pandemic, like we were in the red for so many months because the cash flow we had, I'm like, we need to use this to build a course and I'm going to float the money in front of it, but it's, but with just the trajectory, because we've been doing it for so long. I'm like, I know on average, it will bring in this with a consistent plan and a launch plan. And, you know, it's still scary, but you got to show up with confidence. And the other thing that it did is it let people know we weren't going anywhere. Like a lot of people just because they didn't know what to do and they didn't have the answers. They like went into a hole and they were watched what everybody else was going to do. How are we going to handle this? which is like not the right thing to do because then people are like, well, I guess they went out of business. They haven't posted in a month. It's like, heaven forbid, somebody doesn't post anything for a month. <laughs> like, I, I'm just like, where are our heads as business owners? And so I don't know for you guys, like for me, that was like the big turning point of, okay, I know there's going to be some months where there's a lot of money. It seems to some of our team members, there's a lot of money coming in, but there's more money going out. And that's just the, the part of doing business. If, if you're pivoting or if something like the pandemic happens, but outside of that in the norm, what you just said is like, figure out how like break it down per month. Like there's people, my account broke it down by the day. Like I know by day, <laughs> how much it costs me every day to run the business. We assess it. We used to assess it once, once a year. And now because things have shifted and changed so much with the pandemic, we have to look at things quarterly because clients are asking for more. And so we, we don't mind doing it. We have the team that we can do it and we can always bring more people onto the team. But again, going back and making sure that you're profitable. Do you all have all your team members track their time? So yes, because we use full-time W-2 employees with benefits. We have like 26 of them. Wow. So, that's awesome. 
Yes. So because of the way that labor laws work for us, both like our state ones and federally, we almost all of them are hourly employees. They have to be doing more than 50% of their time has to be management for them to be salaried um, to qualify. So our managers are salaried. So they don't track their time, but they do work a set number of hours because they have to be working when the people they're managing are working. Um, but yes, everybody's tracking their time. Um, and I'm constantly tracking um, payroll. And so every month I go back and I get my reconciled QuickBooks numbers and I look at, you know, how much money came in in cash, how much money came in in accrual, how high was payroll, how high was non-payroll operating expenses. Now I have these formulas that give me the percentage of sales that was payroll. So I can see how that num that per unit number is adjusting. So Yes, we, I, and we didn't always track it that closely, but like, as time's gone on, I've just like added more and more columns to my, to my thing. But yes, it's really important for us to know, like, how much does it cost? And actually we have a great accountant too, who helped me a lot with that too. He was like, you need to figure this out. Like what percentage of every sale that comes in do you need to take off the top that goes to just the labor to deliver that service? And that was a, a sobering thing, but that really was a turning point. Yeah. If you don't know and you're operating, you know, you, I just think back, I'm like, I kept hearing, it's like, what is in the red? Like, what exactly <laughs> is that? And like, at, at the time, it's like, I just didn't care to ask. And I'm like, there's money in the bank. <laughs> like, and now I'm like, okay, you know, internally in my head, I'm like, we're in the red. How can we get out? What do we need to do? And oftentimes I find that some people that are selling courses that we work with and they're operating like this because they are investing a bit of their money up front to like pay for agencies like yours, where it's like, okay, I'm going to go invest in myself to get visibility, to build value with other people's audiences. And they build it up and they stress themselves out so much, but it's like a long-term thing it's not like you're going to just build something and everybody's going to come and you're going to wake up and make all this money. Like it's a continuous journey that you're signing up for. So I'm like, I don't know what conference you went to. And I don't know who told you that, but they left out a big part of their story. <laughs> I'm like how they actually got there. And so for anybody that wants to um, consistently show up, like you were saying, like to get started, what is something that you would tell them, like from a strategy perspective? Well, they should just reach out to you, <laughs> but like before they even come to you, are there a few things that they can think about and sit on and say, okay, I'm, I'm ready to start this journey that people can ask themselves? Because I'm shocked when people come to us and say, can you run this? Can you do this? Can you? I'm like, well, hold on. What are the goals? What's your time frame? And like, what's the whole point of like, what's your why? It, like, why do you need a website? What do you need your website to do for you? What's the experience you want? And I think because people are in such a hurry to just get it done and cross it off their list. Like, okay, I started a business. I got my business license. I hired an accountant. Now I need a website. It's like, let's really take a step back and think through it. And I used to be that person who ran a million miles a minute 
But again, the results are going to be different when you've learned to take a step back. So before someone reaches out to you, what is something that you could tell them from a strategic perspective to think about? I mean, I love what you said about really getting clear on your goals and you're tapping back into your why. Um, because it is visibility is uh, amazing and it grows your business and it totally transforms you as a person, the way you start to think and talk and like how you present yourself, how you lead your team and how you just have conversations with people day to day grows from getting out there and doing these appearances. It's so powerful to be willing to be seen and to be heard and to be a leader like that. So I, I think tapping back into that why, but it's also, it's unsatisfying in the way that like you can't, I, I'm a list maker too. And you never check the visibility box. It's an, it's an all the time thing. So it needs to be built in, you know, you need that consistency. So I would say just like tap into your why and really do you care about this enough? I'm reading multiple books at the same time. And I really like the um, Simon Sinek's um, infinite game. Because if you're looking to check boxes, you're playing a finite game and business is not that. Like, this is a long game. Like, we're trying to get in business and stay in business. It's not just about like getting those dollars in, it's like sustaining that as well. So, I would look at the game you're playing. Are you looking at your business as checking things off and I'm going to win? Because there is no winning because the game never ends. So I think once you look at it from that perspective, then you're going to start making those mature decisions about cash flow, about building in that consistent visibility, about those longer, slow burn strategies that are really where your future money is. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't all happen overnight. <laughs> no, I love the saying that like every overnight success is years in the making. Like that is so true. And it's funny when you hit that point where people start noticing that you're doing well, but they didn't notice you were like sweating it out for like 10 years before that. <laughs> yeah. And I love how the media frames it. Like when the um, ocean spray guy was like going down the road and just, you know, a wife beater and some jeans on his skateboard, drinking his cranberry juice. And he like got a car and a home and like, new teeth, it, just this, the, the way the media frames it. And then, it, then you, you have people like us where it's like, well, we're going to tell you the real story. So it's like that. Yeah. It seems like an overnight success, but that person has been posting consistent content for years, years, and you, you never know. But the thing is, if you don't start somewhere, and if you're not consistent, you're never going to get the opportunity to become an overnight success if you don't just start somewhere. So when people are, um, you know, the excuses of, but I don't like the way I sound or I don't like, I'm like, you're, you got to get over yourself. Like, it's not about you. And, and once you start to reframe it, so it's about helping people and, and helping the audience. Like, I don't like the way I don't li like to listen to my voice either. Um, I don't like the way I look every day either, <laughs> but it's not about that. And shifting your energy and your focus to other people and how you can help them is just so much more impactful. 
at least that's been my experience. <laughs> yes. That that's that whole tapping back into your why, like the idea of like, who are you to hold this gift back from the people who need it? Like, you know, that you are having an impact on people's lives and on their businesses. So focusing on that, like really it's your duty to get out there and share this so that the people who need you can find you because you can have a perfect website, but if you're not visible and no one knows who you are, you don't have a business. There's a group that we do some collaborations with and they teach a great webinar about how um, there was a swimmer, like they talk about Michael Phelps. It's like, I don't know who anybody is and I know who Michael Phelps is. Yeah. I don't watch TV. Like I live under a rock in my little, my little hole and I don't come out very much because I'm that focused, but I'm like, yes, I know who that is. And then they put up a girl who won like equally like in the Olympics to Michael Phelps. But there's a difference between it's like, it's not cool to be the best kept secret and what Michael Phelps publicist PR team, you know, all the team members, what they were doing to get him out there, exposing him, exposing his story. I love his story and his coach's story and his parents' story saying like, he focused on one thing, just one thing, swimming. And when you focus on one thing, you can soar. And it's like, if business owners just took that approach of saying, we do that one thing and, and, and stop being everything to everybody, then the results would be so different, but it's so hard because as P as people with emotions, we just want to say yes to everything, but it's actually better not to do that. in you know, in the long run. So if people want to connect with you and check out your business, which I feel like a lot of people listening need your business, <laughs> where can they go and connect with you personally? And then where can they go to learn more about the business? So the best place to connect is our free Facebook community. You can find it at interviewconnections.com slash group. And my business partner, Jess and I are in there all the time. We do trainings every week. It's a really, really cool community of entrepreneurs and they're sharing referrals and knowledge and all that. So that would be the best place. And then we also have our website, of course, interviewconnections.com. Awesome. And we'll put it all in the show notes. And this was so amazing and so helpful. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. And everybody that's listening, be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Business Unveiled. Bye, y'all. That's it for this week's episode of Business Unveiled. Now that you have all the tools that you need to conquer the world and GSD, get shit done, would you share this with your friends and fellow business leaders? One thing that would really, really help us and help new listeners is for you to rate the show and leave a comment in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you tune in and listen to Business Unveiled. You can check out the show notes at angelaprofit.com slash podcast and link up with us on social media so you can share your biggest insights and I want to know your aha moments. Until next week, remember, the profitable shifts and structures you're creating in your business help you be more present in your life. So get out there and GSD.